we didn't really know too much about the residential school. We didn't, we knew our parents went there. Our grandparents didn't talk about it. We didn't hear any stories, mm -hmm. but the effects of it were drug and alcohol abuse. And that's Rose Archie, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm Tara Duffy, a business coach and entrepreneur on a mission to help you live your most extraordinary life by showing you that anything is possible. People who have mastered freedom, ease, and success, who are living their best and most ridiculous lives, and who are changing the world, are often people you've never heard of until now. Today's guest, Rose Archie, is a badass. She's a skateboarder, a multi-project and event founder, a nonprofit founder, and she's using skateboarding to bring visibility, access, pride, and mental health resources to Indigenous communities. She is wise, she is rad, and most importantly, she's using her power for good. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Powerful Ladies podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. I am very excited to talk to you. You do very cool stuff. So let's jump right in and tell everybody your name, where you are in the world, and what you're up to. My name is Rose Archie. I'm from Canham Lake. We are located in the interior of BC. Our community is called Teeskin. It means the people of Broken Rock. And yeah, we're on the unceded territory of the Suquamish Nation. Very cool. And you have the beautiful, uh, you know, architecture behind you of the city. Um, you know, I think I've done so much with skateboarding in my life, working for skate companies, hosting a powerful lady skate day. Um, and that's where you where you and I have some crossover. So tell us about Nation Skate Youth. How did that start? You know, how did you, you know, realize that skateboarding was your thing? Nation Skate Youth started in my living room, actually. Um, it all came about because a community wanted me to attend to talk about mental health and to bring skateboarding into the community. I didn't have anyone in mind that, you know, like I, I was like, oh, that would be down. So the first person I called was Joe Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And Tristan Henry, Dustin Henry, and Adam George, we all kind of just came together naturally. Um, you know, being an Indigenous skateboarder, our community is very small to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that was our first trip, was to Fort St. John. And after that trip, we just wanted to get together and we brainstormed ways of... Um, bringing skateboarding to communities and making a positive impact on indigenous mm -hmm. youth and just being able to listen to everyone's input and, you know, our dreams and being able to travel for skateboarding into an indigenous communities and giving back was something that we were all kind of just on the same page and it made sense. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of flourished from there. And I've been skateboarding since the early 90s, uh, growing up on 
the reserve in a small community. Um, we didn't have access to skateboarding or skate parks. Um, I found myself in the teenage years hitchhiking to skateboard with my sister. And it was like an hour and a half to two and a half hours away. Wow. How did you find skateboarding? When I was in grade two, my teacher's son, he was the first one to bring a skateboard into the community. And at lunchtime, you know, I would see them all the older guys in grade seven skateboarding. And it wasn't until I seen my sister try it. And she's two years older than me. So as soon as I seen her hanging out with them and trying it, I, I wanted to do it. And when I started, I wanted to do it every day. And so my sister and I and our friend Bernadette, we got skateboards. Um, they were old ones. It, it, we didn't really care. Like, I didn't really care. It was just something that, like, put a smile on my face. And, yeah, I, I use it as, like, um, my time to get away. And, like, you know, it definitely took um, a piece of the reality that was going on. Um, and it just made me into that mode of just skateboarding and how fun mm -hmm. it made it, how fun it was and like how it made me feel. You know, you mentioned that skateboarding was an escape for you. What, what did you need to escape in your life at that time? Uh, cause I feel so many people have, have found skateboarding because of the escape, because it gave them relief from whatever it was that they were going through. Yeah. So you know, growing up in a community that's so small, um, first off, my the community I, I'm from, Canham Lake, we are all connected. Every family knows everyone. We grow up going to school with the kids. We know all the elders. Um, and, yeah, we have a school. We had a school there, right? And, you know... Growing up, we didn't really know too much about the residential school. We didn't. We knew our parents went there. Our grandparents didn't talk about it. We didn't hear any stories. Mm -hmm. But the effects of it were drug and alcohol abuse. Um, we had a lot of suicide. And I feel like sometimes growing up, there was a funerals all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you're just in constant mode of grieving. And as a kid, you would see, you know, the uncles and aunties crying and you would be listening to the Lahel songs at the funeral and, um, our traditions, you know, we would see them constantly. And I feel like that was what I wanted to get away from. And just being a kid and navigating through that as tough as it is. And I didn't want to fall into that cycle as well of mm -hmm. constantly doing drugs and alcohol to escape. So skateboarding was a way for me to, to get away and to meet people. And I didn't really talk about being on the reserve a lot when I was skateboarding. Um, a lot of people thought I was Asian and 
when I would say I was indigenous, they would be like, oh, really? Or, you know, they would just, oh, you look Asian, that's all. And, and they didn't have too much to say about it other than that. They probably didn't um, have a lot of exposure to it, right? <laughs> yeah, I do feel like um, it, what, we were quite new to the community. And mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of girls skateboarding up here in Canada at the time. So mm-hmm. when we would go to a skate park, there would be two of us. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting how skateboarding continues to break break barriers internationally in especially with women, you know, um, in countries that are war-torn and really providing the sense of community. You know, it makes me really proud to see either skateboarding or snowboarding or any of the action sports in the Olympics and seeing how women treat each other in those sports versus the others. Like to see everyone giving high fives and cheering on and like really being, even though you're skating for a different country, it really is this tribe of you know, international skateboarders that are all aligned for what they love. And I think that's one of the coolest things about what skateboarding provides to people. Mm-hmm. The hardest working people I've met, the most willing to collaborate, the most um, open to new ideas and making things from scratch, you know, tend to come and cross through uh, and intersect with the skateboarding community. Um, how did it change your perspective on the world? Well, first of all, I felt accepted. Um, You know, it was very scary to go from the school and the community to a public school. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there was definitely some racism going on. I think our skin was just built so thick. And we just got used to our parents telling us that's how they were raised. That's how they are. And then you just get used to hearing that. So, you know, I just kind of stuck to my own, my own little crew, but I mean, it's changed my life dramatically. Like it brought me opportunities where I was able to travel and meet other girls from all over the world through contests and, and, um, yeah, so it's it's been a really great a great like couple decades of skateboarding for me. Um I've always kind of seen it as a safe space and it broke my heart a couple years ago that uh some women and some girls didn't feel safe in the skateboard community. Yeah. And Everything that I was numb to, I was numb to racism. I was numb to guys yelling at me to do tricks. And, you know, you just get to a point where you just, um, you just kind of like ignore it. So I Mm -hmm. kind of ignored it for so long. And, And when I found out that, you know, people were feeling unsafe, like I cried. I was like, really? Like, I, cause I, you know, at one point, at one point I knew what was going on. And another part was like, oh, you know, like, it's just how the culture is. It's, and that's just a lame excuse. Um, so I wanted to be a part of that movement. And, you know, it brought me to um, 
organizing an event in 2013, no, 2015, sorry, um, an event called Stop, Drop, and Roll. And it's an all-women's event. And I just wanted women to come together. And, you know, it, these events have been happening in California for so long. But in Canada, it, it wasn't yet. Our scene was still growing. And there is that kind of joke, like, we are 10 years behind the, the States with, like, fashion and, like, everything else. But, but I wanted to bring that to Canada, to Vancouver. And ever since then, I've seen the scene grow. I've seen, um, you know, people can come together and skateboard and feel supported. If they're a beginner, they've never stepped on a board before, like... You know, it's just, it's something that I was like, you know, if it's not being done, I want to do it. And it's the same with Nation Skate Youth. Like, there wasn't no uh, nonprofits going around that were focusing on the mental health of Indigenous that were giving back through, you know, skateboarding and shoes is a small part of what we give back. But mm -hmm. it's our time. It's the trust and the confidence that we can build with these kids and hear their stories and connect with them. And, and I think that, you know, our message is clear. We want indigenous youth to be proud of who they are and where they come from. Yeah. We, we want indigenous youth to not be ashamed to be indigenous. And we want to tell them that they're the future leaders, that they matter, that they're loved. And, you know, it, to have that voice and to have that time and to have the opportunity is like, it was a dream. Um, after I lost my sister, Tracy, I did not want parents, brothers and sisters to feel that way. And, you know, losing someone in your family, you know, it, it's human. It's a thing that happens. And, and it's sad, you know, it takes a long time to rebuild. And, um, I have a close connection with an elder, my auntie Lorraine. And she told me when I started this was to be true to who you are. And I didn't really know what she meant by that. And she would always tell me these things like treat people how you want to be treated not how you were treated and to not talk about things that aren't true because then you're just wasting your time. Mm -hmm. And I've always had a close connection with my elders. Um, growing up, I would go skateboarding or snowboarding and I would stop at my granny Laura's and my Tommy's and have tea and they would have iced tea or cocoa, whatever. And, and they would always be like, how's skateboarding going, you know? And like, so when I see how far nations has come, even starting it through a pandemic, having restrictions, seeing the mental health of communities deteriorate because of the isolation, because of, you know, I mean, in the city, we're lucky because we can order food in, we can, you know, Yep. do certain things. We're in a community, they're in lockdown. They can't leave, you know? And yeah, so I could see a lot of um, mental health struggles 
going on. And there were statistics of like suicide and increase in drug and alcohol overdoses. So at the beginning of Nations, I found myself emailing communities being like, hey, we're Nations. This is what we do. And like, you wouldn't hear anything back. And then now the pandemic is over, our inbox is just flooding with communities being like, our kids need something. We heard about what you do through another community. We've seen your website. We've seen your videos. And that's so special because, because like we've, we worked hard to, to know like um, what we want to do, our objectives, our outcomes. And when you go to a community and you see the impact instantly, that's like something that's like truly amazing. That's something that I never had growing up was to see another indigenous woman skateboard to see another indigenous skateboard pro um, see indigenous skateboard companies and clothing. So I'm just happy to be in the mix and to keep like um, empowering, inspiring, creating leadership, creating opportunities for those communities. Well, it feels so good when you see the impact in real time, right? Like I've, <clears throat> I've worked with a company called uh, Project Bike Love and it's women bringing bikes to people who've never had bikes because they love bikes and see like, it's the same as like, you know, when you're coming in with skateboarders and showing them and hanging out, like it's real time opportunity to see someone's face light up and to wow and to try a trick or to, you know, to try to ride and be like, oh, what, I can do this? Like, there's something so contagious about seeing someone's mind be blown and like, you can literally see it, it expands in front of you. And when you have situations like that, and I think it's so cool to be part of an organization that gets that hands-on experience uh-huh. because so often when people are making an impact, it's through so many, you know, walls of, oh, I donated here, or I supported this, or, you know, so much of it's far away, but to have like right in front of you, hands-on opportunity to see how powerful you are for those people, it's amazing. Yeah, I I like that when the parents and the grandparents come out and to hear like counselors from the schools come out and, and tell us, like, I haven't seen those kids smile like that. I haven't seen that voice smile like that. Um, and then some kids get emotional mm-hmm. when you give them a pair of shoes and you tell them like, no, that skateboard is yours. You can keep that helmet if you want. And some kids cry because they're like, it's not even Christmas. Like, and that gets us emotional because mm-hmm. they're going to remember that for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And um, that's the kind of impact that I'm, that I just want to keep doing. I want to just keep bringing those opportunities to the youth that, that have never felt that before. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about there being indigenous pro riders and companies and so much of the skateboarding industry in the past two decades has consolidated. So many brands have gone out of business. So many, you know, riders have had to move to one of the, you know, big three or big five companies because smaller and smaller brands have been dissolved or eaten up. Um, 
What is it like to be part of a community and brands that are, you know, opposite the statistics and proving that they can exist despite there being huge global brands that are taking up so much of the space? You know, there's a big shift in where people are putting their money nowadays. And you see that. Like, I see it a lot. And I think that's why these brands are thriving is because there's never really been a a Section 35 clothing company where, you know, you believe what they stand for and their values are aligned with you. And there's companies like Colonialism Skateboarding where they're educating by the mass through social media and when people see that that's where their focus is and the, the importance, for sure, you're going to want to support that because mm-hmm. you're going to want to see them succeed because it's never been done. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, yeah, it's, you don't need to have, um, you know, a lot of money to be successful. You just need to have that solid support of your own people. And, I, and that's what I love about it. Well, and I've always loved skateboarding because there's so many stories to be told through it as a a medium, even bigger than a sport, right? Because skateboarding has always had a blurred line between sport and a lifestyle and sport and a way of existence. And I had the pleasure uh, a couple months ago to go to the premiere of the Cuba Skate um, uh, video that came out, the, the documentary. And it's another example of people using skateboarding to change a community and to change a country. Um, you know, every time I go to something like that, it's, I'm left so much more inspired because I think the skateboarding way of doing things in my head kind of also fits into the punk rock way of doing things, which is it doesn't matter what we have. We can make it anyway. Uh-huh. Like we, we, it's like literally like I joke with clients of mine, I'm a, you know, besides the podcast, I'm a business coach. And like, I joke with clients. I'm like, we can start something from nothing. We can. Yeah. And yeah. there's something about being in that culture where if you give us wheels and duct tape, <laughs> we will figure it out. <laughs> exactly. No, I love that. Like, um, when I was younger, I had a summer job and me and my sister, you know, we would travel to punk shows and, and skate contests and whatnot that were around. There were very few around, so we took advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And we would use that money in the summer to put on our own punk shows. You know, we would, before, like, Facebook and, like, there there was nothing, really, no social media to contact people. So we Back would we email. Real flyers? <laughs> Yeah, we would email the bands and say like, hey, we'll pay for your gas money and we'll give you a place to stay. Come play the show in the middle of nowhere. And so we were doing that in the summers, keeping us busy, not really caring about the liability or just like we would just like rent a building, get a bunch of bands, play, have fun and to create our own scene. Mm -hmm. And as two indigenous young teenage girls doing that, it was like, yeah, it was a successful lemonade stand, really. Like yeah. we were meeting people in bands and making our own posters and and putting them up in skate shops and and just meeting people through that way. So even in our small town, Hundred Mile House, 
there wasn't anything like that going on. So we just like created it and made it happen. So mm -hmm. I feel like I have a bit of that that's been in me my whole life of like, if it's not happening, like let's make it happen. And like, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've tried to create much of um, what I think is fun and like, mm -hmm. you know, try to spread that love and try to spread that inspiration and, being in the skateboard scene for so long is um it's pretty neat you know you get to meet a lot of people a lot of women that are changing the scene and i just get a lot of inspiration from other women as well um but times do get tough you know times are mm -hmm. tough where you're like you want to give up and i feel like those are the times that you really see how strong you are Mm -hmm. You really see the support network you have, the friends you have that stick by you, the, and yeah. So my parents, they, they like never told me to stop skateboarding. They never were like, okay, you know, that's like, you're grown up now, put that away. Um, so that support's been like really amazing. And, and I let them know all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I recently showed my dad a video of our nation's trip to the island. And when he was looking at the kids smile and he was um, just seeing what I do, it really, um, really made him proud. Yeah. And it, and it was the first time really that he was like, wow, when you were a young kid skateboarding, he's like, I didn't think in my dreams that you would make it this far and, and do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm getting emotional because, you know, my dad went to residential school. So, and he was a 60s scoop baby and learning his story so late in my life, I now understand how much he had to sacrifice for mm -hmm. us. And, um, and I can see that now. I, I always like think of the small things and when I want to give up, I always think of what he went through, what my mom went through, what our grandparents went through for us to be here, for us to speak our language, to know our culture, to know our traditions. And I'm using my voice now to tell the kids that. And, yeah. and like, I get to look at them right in the eye and say, you know, you're the future leader. Like, it's so important to learn our culture, our language, and our history. Because at one point, we weren't allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. And our grandparents sacrificed so much and they relearned the language. The elders taught us the language from kindergarten all the way to high school. Um, so you see how much they sacrificed for us and it's inspiring to me. And that's what I want to be. I want to be like that elder that's telling the young kids like, don't give up, you know, the mm -hmm. stuff that I'm told right now. And yeah. And I hope the outcome of nations is five, 10, 20 years from now, we have all these little kids teaching their younger cousins the same message. Mm -hmm. Or if someone asks them, 
when was the first time you started skateboarding? They can say, oh, Nation Skate Youth gave me my first board and and now I'm teaching my own language in my own community. And, you know, like those are some of the dreams and aspirations that I, that I want. And I know that all the other co-founders of nations, they want to see the youth being the best versions of themselves. And if we can empower and inspire them through skateboarding and they can pass it on, um, just making that connection because like what we tell the youth too, is it's not just skateboarding. It's like filming, taking photos, um, doing the magazine, starting your clothing company, like, and then you see their eyes and, you know, like we stay connected with them through Instagram or they message us and, and it's neat to see that they're still pushing around and they're progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cute when you get to a community and you, you meet that like eight year old girl who, who watched the Olympics because of skateboarding and, mm-hmm. and she's so excited to be sky Brown when she grows up and, and Sky Brown's only like uh, 13 or 14 years old herself <laughs> and, and little girls already want to be just like her. So, I yeah. mean, it's really cool to, to just, yeah, to see them saying their dreams. And I tell them myself, like what I'm living right now is a dream, you know, like mm-hmm. I've dreamt of all of this when I was, 12 years old, I said, I want to work in downtown Vancouver. And when I was working in downtown Vancouver in the business district, I was like, oh my God, like I remember walking this exact street saying this exact thing when I was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, so I've been in Vancouver for about 20 years now and go home all the time. Um, Home is Canham Lake and this is where I live. So, Mm -hmm. Well, and it, you know, it, you're clearly a powerful manifester when you can, it's so cool when you can see like, oh, wait, I asked for this. I said, yeah. this is going to happen. And to keep, you know, I, I think one of the Jedi tricks of, of adulthood is like starting to see when what you asked for is showing up faster and faster, because usually it's not until hindsight, we are like, oh my gosh, I forgot. I asked for this at one point. And now to like to really be present in the moment and be like, no, I asked for this and it's right here right now is one of the coolest feelings. Um, because I, you know, people will often ask me, you know, how do I, how do I make something happen? I'm like, you just start, you write it down, you say it's going to happen, but you don't have to believe it <laughs> when you say it. Yeah, like, exactly. So often it starts with like complete doubt, like, It'd be really awesome if I could do X, Y, and Z, but it's probably not going to happen is usually how the thought starts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And with Nation Skate Youth, we didn't know like how big we were going to get. We didn't know. We didn't have a dollar amount of like what we need. And, um, you know, when you do it right from the heart, people see that. You know, if we were like, oh, we want to do it for this much money and and we're only going to go to your community if you have this much money. Like, you know, sometimes we go to communities and they'll give us like medicine. You know, they will have an elder welcoming us or playing a song for us. And, 
you know, sometimes we get to try out the local food that, you know, that they make traditionally. And, um, that's like better than money, you know? So, (laughs) I mean, yeah, like our nonprofit can't do what we do without donations. Mm -hmm. So during the pandemic, we were able to share our whys and, you know, why it's important that we focus on indigenous youth. Um, and then, yeah, so now, you know, it's been kind of tough up here because, um, the residential schools finding all of the, the children. So the every child matters and the orange t-shirt day reconciliation being a core value. Um, and people actually hearing the truth makes me feel as a woman (coughs) that I'm able to speak my stories of Mm -hmm. my, my grandparents and what they went through and what we went through. Um, you know, a lot of us are just learning that word intergenerational trauma, um, which is crazy, you know, like a lot of people just thought that we, you know, our communities were just a bunch of alcohol and, and like drug, like abuse going on. Um, mm-hmm. But before contact, before the settlers came into our area, um, alcohol wasn't even a thing. It was brought in by, you know, whoever, but it's just, you know, we're a couple generations in and we're still not used to it. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, now I see the story and now I see where I come from and I learn who I am and why I am the way I am. And, and I heard that a lot through other women and listening to their stories and the elder stories of saying they're crying and they're saying that is the way that is why my kids are the way they are. And, you know, they carried this on their shoulders for so long. And, um, yeah, so I honor, I honor all the children and Mm -hmm. I honor all the women and, you know, all of the, the fathers and the grandfathers and uncles that, that made sure that we were safe. And, you know, in my community, we were taught to live off the land. Mm -hmm. So they taught us where to hunt, where to fish, where to pick berries and, you know, I want to pass that down mm-hmm. um, to kids and show them how important it is to listen to those stories because in the next couple decades, you know, if no one hears these stories or listens, they're going to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the importance that we want to tell the, the youth through nations. And so it's really cool to like get that opportunity. You know, one of the questions I think is so interesting is how different guests on the show think about the words. What does powerful mean? What does ladies mean? Like, what do they mean when they're together? You know, does it change when they're like, cause is power by itself different than power next to ladies? How do you feel about the word ladies? So I'd love to hear your opinion. Well, you know, I put on a, like, I talked a little bit about the, um, the, stop, drop, and roll event I do. And I learned a lot about 
what women want to be called or, you know, I called it like an all girl skateboard contest. And then, well, I'm not a girl, I'm a woman. And then you say, okay, it's a women's contest. And then, and then it's like, oh, but you know, there are girls too that are coming. And then, um, we changed it to women with an X to be more inclusive. And then a couple months down the road, you know, you're getting, Oh, women with an X, that's not really proper. Um, so, you know, you're back to women again and, um, just the social change that's going on with that and Mm -hmm. people wanting to be, um, you know, seen as who they are and, you know, the gender and the, gender non-conforming and um you know up here we have two spirit and trans and like you know you respect that you respect how they want to be seen and what they want to be called um so yeah with the word ladies is that right yeah ladies um i think like for me personally i think that's like a really nice way of putting um woman (laughs) like oh she looks like a lady you know it's like kind of like she's dressed up and like i don't know um she's classy yeah it's it's a classy (laughs) name definitely a classy name and what does powerful mean to you powerful means to not have to say sorry for existing powerful means you're going to get things done because everyone told you it can't be done. Powerful means that it's one of your best qualities and it's something that can work with you or against you. That is and true. <laughs> powerful is scary to some people. You know, I, I come across intimidating because I know what I want. I'm not scared to say what I want. I'm not scared to voice my opinion as long as it's not hurting anyone's feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big believer in self esteem and confidence and uplifting those two things. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you start bringing somebody down because of your power, you're, you're abusing that right. So if I was to look at powerful in a positive way, it would mean supporting and sticking up for those who would do the same for you mm-hmm. and who don't have that voice. So, yeah. Which you are doing. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also ask everyone on the podcast where they put themselves on the powerful lady scale. If zero is average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine, where would you put yourself on that scale today and on average? Wow. I feel like I've, I've grown a lot more than I realize. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot more I can do. Um, so, I mean, wow. I want to say like a seven. just because you know there's still more that I can probably work on to get there when you look back at what you've created and what you've caused to happen what are you most proud of and what's had what was a turning point that you remember 
um, a few years ago, I did a talk called Raven, Raven Speak. And we were going to be up on stage for 11 minutes. And I had to get a speech ready. And it was a six-month program. Uh, we had elders come in, mentors come in. And they just kept on asking, what's your story? What's your story? And I was almost in tears because I was like, I don't have a story. You know, I, I didn't do anything in my life. Like, I don't know. Like, And at that time, I was driving home every two weeks to be with my family, to be with my nephew. And so I had a six-hour drive. And then a six hour drive back to Vancouver. So that was 12 hours of me just being alone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I just, I had to, so much time to think of what my story was and why I'm here on this earth and, and what impact I want to make. And because I know I want to make an impact. I know that I want to leave a legacy behind. I know that I want to inspire someone else to take over um, nations one day to take over, stop, drop, and roll one day and carry on that legacy for me. Um, and that was when I realized at Raven Speak that I knew what I wanted to do. I knew my story. I knew what I wanted to say. And I worked on myself a lot. I worked on, you know, who I actually was. Um, so that was the time where I realized, like, okay. Now I can be my truth, my true self. Mm -hmm. And what everybody else sees is just their, their opinion. So, yeah. Do you, you know, going through that experience, do you look at yourself sometimes and go, I'm a fucking badass. Like, like, holy cow. <laughs> I think I have more friends that tell me that on a daily basis than I tell myself <laughs> that. When my friends tell me that, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, but I think when I hear it from others, it definitely mm -hmm. makes me smile. When I hear it from elders, um, I had a Shushwap uh, teacher come up to me and tell me, I've always been so proud of you, you know, and you never listened to me, though, when you were a little <laughs> kid. And like, and so like when I hear stories of that, like, you know. I, it makes me happy to see how far I've come. Yeah. As we, as we're, you know, in 2022 and things are starting to open back up and we're able to be together again, what are you looking forward to and what are you excited about? I'm just excited to share all the exciting projects that nations have, like is going to be doing in 2022. I'm excited to see the impacts that we can make with communities that are opening up and that are going to be welcoming us. Um, and I'm just excited to see more opportunities for BIPOC um, arise and, um, you know, more events where women are being treated fairly within skateboarding. It's just been recently where women are getting paid the same as the men and, um, and that's just, you know, from women I looked up to, like Mimi Noop, Kara Beth Burnside. Um, yeah. I'm just looking to collaborate with, with more women and to do bigger things and to, and, you know, I like, it's a, it's a huge project, Nations, and it's going to 
be ongoing and like um i'm just looking to you know all the support that we get and mm -hmm. just let people know that we can't do this without them i love connecting the people i know who are rad and everyone i know in vancouver is rad <laughs> so oh, that's so good to hear if they don't already know each other they should um they're all obstacle things um you know i love seeing people who've been in this podcast even collaborating with people that i knew from you know past lives and work and other skateboarders up there so it's just you know this community is a powerful big community so we're also asking everyone on the podcast this year what do you need and how can we help you? Because I bet there's someone in this community or someone listening that has that next key for you. Yeah, I think what what I need is more resources to know how to deal with mental health mm -hmm. that maybe I don't know about. I need I want um, someone to offer workshops like, hey, we heard of this great opportunity that, you know, nations can go to and it's like a two-day program and you get to learn about like certain things um mm -hmm. and i don't know i just feel like opportunities like that where we're learning always learning um where we get opportunities to sit at the tables uh where our voices haven't been heard yet mm -hmm. um where we're invited into rooms where we should be um where we're taking back um, opportunities and and giving them to Indigenous people. I think if anyone can help us with those things, you know, feel free to send us an email, <laughs> uh, nationskateyouth at gmail.com. Perfect. I think it's a great segue as well to list all the other ways people can connect with you and Nation Skate and everything else that you're a part of. Yes. So we do have a website, um, you know, because of the pandemic and things like that, it's just been quite, quite slow, but, um, we have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. Um, social media is just the way things are going right now. And, um, if you want us to visit a indigenous community near you, send us an email as well. Um, we love to connect like that. And everything's at Nation Skate Youth on all the it, platforms? Exactly, yeah. Okay. And if somebody wants to connect directly with you, is there any other, do you want them to go to your Instagram or anywhere else? Yeah, uh, my Instagram is skaterosie. And um, yeah, you'll see all the links on there of what I do. Yeah, amazing. Um, well, it has been such a pleasure to get to talk to you today, to share your story. Um, I cannot wait to hear how excited people are about this episode. Um, but truly, it's an honor that you are a yes to me and to the powerful ladies. So thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really honored. And um, yeah, what you are doing and your vision and, you know, getting a voice out there of powerful ladies that's really cool. So everyone who hasn't checked it out already, you should check it out. All the links to connect with Rose and Nation Skate Youth are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. 
and leave us a rating and review. It's really critical for podcast visibility and getting these stories like roses out to as many people as possible. Come hang out with us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies or directly with me at Kara underscore Duffy. And of course, if you want to work together, collaborate, or just learn more about me, you can do so by visiting caraduffy.com. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode and an amazing new guest. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.